Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. From the faraway planet of Mandalore, with me is the Mandalorian himself, Aaron Alvarado. Aaron, how are you? Feeling pretty good for a foundling. For a foundling. Yeah, for a foundling doing really well. I found you at a Century yeah. Theaters in about 2001. Does that count? Yeah, I mean, you're right. kind of a foundling. I found yes, you. exactly. And I guess instead of you know saving you from that uh, prison, I joined you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm good, man. I'm good. I thought you were a Mandalorian. I noticed you have a new uh, piece of armor on that wrist. Uh, and I'm wearing a helmet. And you're wearing so, a helmet. Oh, yeah. no, you got the Apple Watch. I sure it was your do. birthday. It was your birthday it, it yesterday. It was. Yeah. Um. I. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh. Your your uh, better half reached out and, you know, was thinking about getting the watch. It was her idea, and she was just asked for some guidance. And I thought it was perfect because you had uh, ceremoniously throw threw away your Fitbit. Uh, yeah. Once you the news of Google acquiring Fitbit. And yeah, I, bur- I actually melted it down like the scene in The Mandalorian. Oh, so. that's what. Okay, so you have a new shoulder pad. You have some metal. Yeah, it's no. Biscar- I made a cup actually Fitbit. out of it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> your rec league baseball game. You're more yeah. protected than ever. Uh, that'd be incredible. <laughs> melting down your Fitbits into armor. I love it. Uh, we're already getting. We're already. Rhett, Rhett Hildebrandt, uh, longtime listener. People, out of people Chicago. are loving The Mandalorian. He's saying, yeah, he's saying The Mandalorian was a nine out of ten. Beautiful. I loved how it looked like classic Star Wars. I'm excited for the long form of Star Wars storytelling. I, I absolutely agree with those points, and I'm super happy to get into it. I, I will say, I have been getting text messages all day from people, um, telling me either asking me what I thought, but more, more, more commonly, people are just texting me. They're just pure, like, unadulterated enthusiasm for the Mandalorian, and it's funny because people are already assuming that I've seen it, but just I'm just getting like instant spoiler filled, you know, reviews and excitement. Um, I, I will say there is one that I think stood out above the rest. Do you mind if I read it? Let's hear it. I, I won't say who it's from just because I feel like this hot, this, this take might be scalding hot, <laughs> but this individual who I'm good friends with, uh, just all the love in the world to this person, uh, who won't, won't be listening to this. So it's okay. But, um, this, he or she texted me. Yeah. Best hour of star Wars ever. In my opinion, IMO is what that was. Just just very casually, matter of factly, yeah. Best hour of Star Wars ever, IMO. So <laughs> I feel like we should rein it in a little bit. That's a pretty hot take, if we're being honest. That's I don't know if it gets hotter than that. That's, I think uh, I look, if he's pointing out like the ten minutes with Nick Nolte as the ten minute best ten minutes of Star Wars, maybe you've got a point. I mean, those were ten terrific minutes and look, I, mean, I have the, spoken. The, <laughs> okay. The two minute uh space Uber ride was pretty good. That's I thought, pretty good. I loved it. I loved that the Mandalorian, something we have in common. I, I won't always take the first Uber I get. I look at the stars. And I'm like, nah. I wave it on. Uh, it's, if it, you know, I look at it. His version of a droid, nah. You know, I mean, um, like it, it boils down to the driver, and that's literally what he did. He's he did yeah. not trust that droid driver. So no, that's, no, he's that's no, kind of how it goes not. with Uber. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, let's just get right into this. Mandalorian launched today, technically last night. I, I honestly, 
was going to wait up till uh, Disney was saying 6 a.m. Eastern time they were going to launch the apps was you know and with the apps um, for Disney Plus uh, of course the Mandalorian and they were saying 6 a.m. Eastern so 3 a.m. I had my alarm set I was going to get up at 3 a.m. and watch this thing like a psychopath um, and uh, as I was getting ready for bed like around 10 o'clock or so. I just checked the iTunes store, and sure enough, there's the Disney Plus app. I download it. Mandalorian's ready to play, and I, I left let out a squeal. I don't know if it was a squeal or an excitement, some sort of audible noise that was so mm-hmm. alarming that Lindsay came out of the <laughs> bedroom, and she was like, "Are you okay?" Or like, "What? <laughs> what happened?" I said, "I uh, did you see a mouse? Mandalor- Mandalorian?" <laughs> and she's like, "A what? It's live." Man, she's just like, "Oh, David," you know. Just- <laughs> Like this wasn't worth that that audible sound you made, you know, which is right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she should have taken your phone away after hearing that sound, and then. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I was so excited. Uh, so yeah, of course, I immediately start watching. I've I've watched the episode twice now. Um, so wait, well, this oh, is, you've only seen it twice. I've only seen it twice. I find I've that hard to believe. Twice. Yeah, no, just twice. Uh, I've had been busy with work otherwise. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna probably view it several more times because it's a quick watch. Okay, this yeah. is 39 minutes, so I mean I I'm really anxious to hear what you're a little bit more of a Star you like Star Wars you obviously were raised with Star Wars you're a little more of a skeptic about the quality of Star Wars under the current version of Lucasfilm I know you didn't like the Last Jedi you weren't super high on Force Awakens um, I know you don't have a lot of hope for the Rise of Skywalker. Well, I'm curious what you think with Lucasfilm's first foray into long form storytelling in this TV version, you know, the first of eight episodes, what do you think of the Mandalorian? Is there hope for good Star Wars content? I will say that my instant reaction was that was the best hour of Star Wars (laughs) ever. You were the one that texted me. (laughs) I I didn't want to reveal you. (laughs) I just doubted myself. I mean, I had to say it. You had to say Uh, it. So were you you weighing like the the moment Vader reveals to Luke something of an iconic scene in his... I mean, how could Or... Or it's it's learning how to ride these hogs with Nick Nolte. <laughs> it's uh, one it's, or the it's, other. Yeah, it's really hard to balance them out. No, Mandalorian. The first episode was incredible. I think it was it captured mm. all my all the original feelings that I got watching that the original wow. trilogy. Super fun. The lore is there. Um, just the characters are there. The uh, the the actual aliens um, mm. even had the cantina or a cantina. So yeah, it's really just a lot of fun. I loved it. I can't wait for the next episode. Was very very pleasantly surprised. I'm so excited. Now the next one yeah. comes out Friday, um, and then they will be coming out subsequently f- each Friday after that. I think, with the exception of actually the Friday that Rise of Skywalker comes out, I think they released like either that Monday or Wednesday before. But you know, this isn't the binge model. We can't just like you know just cruise through them. Uh, and so yeah, I'm excited to to see this next one. Uh, honestly, I loved this, but it did feel like a tease. Uh, 39 minutes that blew by and I'm like, oh, I have so many questions and like, but the, the excitement started really setting in of like, wow, Star Wars is going to be able to take its time for the first time. They're not running up against this two hour, two hour and 40 minute, you know, uh, runtime to be able to get in all the story beats and all the plot. Like they can actually let this breathe a little bit. And this episode very much felt like that. Like they had to establish some things about this character and, but other than that, it took its time. It, I mean, it took its time in the 39 minute, you know, what felt like super fast. You know, I know it sounds contradictory, but it was really, really interesting. I mean, for me, there were a few things immediately that got me excited. The score 
which was like this kind of weird electronic spaghetti western score. Like, I mean, obviously they want to, you know, go for the yeah the Wild West, obviously a spaghetti western type of vibe and feel of the old Star Wars. John Favreau, the showrunner, has been very clear about that. So is Dave Filoni, the director of this first episode. Um, I think they definitely hit that. Now, this opening scene is a pretty great introduction to this, both this character and the whole bounty hunter profession. Now, we'd seen a lot of this in the trailers, and so it didn't land like it would have had we had I gone in cold. Now, I don't know if you had seen any of this. No, I didn't but, watch. I think I, I just basically watched the uh, original trailer, but I wasn't really paying attention. So, But when he, he basically gets in a fight in this bar – and uh, one of the guys tries to make a run for it, and he kind of you know, shoots out something that snatches onto him, some sort of string thing, pulls him back in as he shoots his blaster at the door, hand like the door uh, button to close it, and uh, just slices the guy in half. So, like, right from the get-go, it's like, yeah, this isn't, you know, I was going to say this isn't your parents' Star Wars, but I guess they were slicing off limbs in that one, too. Um, exactly. Well, so that's instantly what I thought of is that that's like a throwback to the original, the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that original cantina where they slice the dude's arm off and I think there was blood, wasn't there? Uh, or some sort um, of goo. Some, I'm not sure. Some sort of alien uh, yeah. something. But I mean, it just showed like, oh, good. This isn't going to it's not going to hold back. Uh, not right. that I need like ultra violence right. or anything like that. But it's like, oh, they, you know, they. Like Rogue One is a movie I love. It really is. But they, they talked about that like saving Private Ryan meets Star Wars. But like when you watch it, it's like, oh, this is, you know, this is not like, yeah, it's a war movie, but they're not exactly going for it. I feel like this one, they're being a little more true to that, the, the grittiness that we didn't totally get in Rogue One. I feel like we're definitely going to get here. But what's funny is, is after this opening scene and, and you know, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about scenes here. So if you haven't watched it yet, you may need to jump out. Um but uh, but we're going to come back kind of after walking. you watch it. What's that? I was going to say, oh. go watch it and then come back. And then come back. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. want to hear your opinions on it. Yeah. And honestly, it's only 39 minutes. And by the time you come back, we'll still be here live. Um, oh, and yeah. so if not, listen to the, uh, the, the iTunes podcast version of it. We're also on Stitcher and all platforms. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, right after this, oh, <laughs> Kaylee Nielsen, she's by... Uh, she was participating <laughs> earlier, which I appreciated. Um, you know, I hope they don't just uh, or that they don't just last season of Game of Thrones it, which is <laughs> it's a it's a fair point. Speaking of Game of Thrones, uh, Benioff and Weiss were going to be doing some Star Wars content, some films, but have since exited Lucasfilm. I think much to the celebration of Game of Thrones fans that hated that last season. Um, I don't think this is going to be a Game of Thrones thing. They're taking they're taking their time. I don't think the Mad Queen's going to go mad by episode two, put it that way, and to put it in Game of Thrones parlance. But shortly, I love this opening scene. It establishes this, this bounty hunter. He picks up this kind of blue fish guy who I didn't realize at the time is played by Horatio Sands from SNL. <laughs> really in a deep makeup, like really. Uh, oh, yeah. But he, he trudges them out there to go pick up their, their space Uber, <laughs> which was... Yeah, I love was, it. Well, he looks like... The, he looks like the amphibian man from uh, The Shape of Water, which is great. <laughs> it's a nice throwback to Del Toro. So that's great. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's. I, I'm watching this being like, is this like the airport when I get off the airport? Like you know, especially in uh you know in a foreign country and I have to go get in line. Not even a foreign country. This is the JFK. You got to get in like the taxi line and the guys like you know waving the next taxi on. And I felt like this is kind of a 
funny, weird, like just everyday life type of like, oh, I guess the galaxy far, far away is not too different than what we're doing here. Um, and so anyway, he goes back to his ship. Of course, there's danger under the ice, which they warned us about several <laughs> times. So we shouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah. Um, but we uh, we get a good look at the ship. We get a good look. Um, in fact, I, I loved this. I wouldn't call it an Easter egg per se. But there was this moment where the guy is walking around the ship. And I don't know if they had the name of the ship in the episode. I, you know, like Boba Fett's Slave One. I wasn't really sure uh, if we got maybe that'll be we'll get that in a future episode. But he claims he needs to relieve himself and he's walking around and he comes across all of these people that are frozen in carbonite, which was like pretty bad. A. Like, it's oh, yeah. really cool. We just haven't very, seen very anyone cool. else other than Han Solo frozen in carbonite. And just the look of panic of like, oh, no. Um, and uh, he, what's funny is, is what he's saying, you know, he's, he's just like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Just like making small talk and trying to make it sound like he's not like trying to make a run for it. But he makes a reference that I think mo- like a lot of people wouldn't get. He, he talks about hoping to get home in time for life day. Uh, do you remember? Did you catch that? He wanted no, to get home to his family in time for life day. It was, a, it was like a throwaway comment. Um, the deep, deep Star Wars fans will recognize that as life day was what they celebrated and referenced in the famous, I should say infamous Star Wars holiday special. They, Life Day is from that episode. So this is Dave Filoni and John Favreau having some fun, throwing in some holiday special humor, talking about Life Day. Literally no other reference in Star Wars canon except Very in that funny. moment, which I thought was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so one thing, you know, we'll talk scene by scene here, but I, I want to stop and, and talk about specific elements that we really liked and, and maybe even some things that didn't work for us. But one thing that I was pretty high on here was the cast. How was the cast for you? Was this was it working? Oh, absolutely. I think that was one of the immediate first things that uh, really drew me in was, uh, I mean, you have uh, Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. You can obviously you can hear his voice through the uh, through the effects of the helmet. But somehow he actually gives a a decent performance with all that uh, the helmet on (laughs) all that steel. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So it's it's his voice. Right. So it's the way he delivers his lines. Um, yeah. Full of uh, just full of attitude, and and he sounds like a Mandalorian bounty hunter. It's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you have uh, even. Uh, do you know who Tate Fletcher is? He's like, um, I don't know if he was in MMA or he's like mm. peripherally part of MMA. Like he's, mm. so he was one of the the bu- the bullies at the bar. Like he was the bigger, bald guy, oh. um, who challenges the Mandalorian. That guy's. He's been like he's uh, I can't he's like associated with Joe Rogan basically, okay. Um, okay. but yeah he's he's like a character actor and he's a big scary guy. So once I saw him, I was like, oh wow, that's great! Like he's they cast him in this, and but then you have like Brian Posehn as the uh, the space Uber driver. You do um, yeah. short lived <laughs> Star Wars. Herzog. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and the Horatio signs, like you said. So it seems like we'll have a lot of comedians in roles here. I mean, we've got Bill Burr. We know is in an episode mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, and he's in some of the promotional materials. Uh, I wouldn't call him a comedian, a comedian, but Taika Waititi. We'll we'll talk more about you know towards the end of the episode. We. Um, we are introduced to a character that he voices. Uh, in addition to that, he directs the last episode of the season, a single episode, uh, episode eight, awesome. which is going to be interesting. But when it comes to this cast for me, I was so thrilled and I just delighted at the introduction of Werner Herzog into the Star mm-hmm. Wars canon. No person on earth was more born to play a Star Wars villain 
than Werner Herzog. Now, I'm assuming he's a villain here. Uh, we see him. We see his, his thick German accent and all of the documentary filmmaking skill set behind that, behind that brain, the brilliant, brilliant brain of Werner Herzog. The fact that he can come in here and just play this guy that's like wants to pay a bounty hunter a bunch of money for this kind of shady bounty that can't be totally right. tracked. I mean, it's perfect. And, and oh, yeah. what's interesting about The Mandalorian is that uh, it is post-Return of the Jedi, which is clear to me as a Star Wars fan because I knew going in what this what, – what's interesting to me though, like my friends that are not well-versed in Star Wars but like enjoy good content and will watch this, I'm concerned about a couple of things. One is I'm concerned that most of these people won't know that this is not Boba Fett that we're following. Yeah. And I don't even know if they made it totally clear that it's like clear enough uh, that it's not Boba Fett. Um, now, granted, they talked about the fall of the Empire. You know, you see that the Empire is kind of underground. It should, you know, there's enough references to this that it should be clear that this is post-Jedi, which means post-Empire rule. Um, but here you see Werner Herzog, who's wearing this, like, Im Imperial relic. He's got stormtroopers in this underground, pla you know, clearly that's, you know, uh, he has his own little detail. Um, I'm curious to know if like he has anything to do with what will eventually become the first order that gives rise to, you know, in, in the force awakens. But I mean, he's just a baddie through and through and it's like just, just perfect casting. Um, well, it's, and it's great how they introduce the fact that the empire has fallen. It's Carl Weathers, like another great yeah, casting. Yeah. He, he tries Carga. to pay in the, uh, in the credits, right? The, uh, oh, great. Imperial credits or whatever. Yeah. Yep, he's you get the credits, uh, and you could only pay him the what the Calamarian uh, half of it or a portion of it. And he's like, I like I, I even love stuff like that. Just the fact that they absolutely. have this, you know, these different forms of payment. One of which from Werner Herzog was this Beskar Bes steel, I believe is what they call that. Which mm -hmm. um, I'm a big Star, you know, Star Wars fan. I didn't realize. Maybe I don't know if this was known before this or if this series is establishing that term as the actual material that. The armor, the metal of a Mandalorian's suit is, you know, made out of. It probably was out there, and I just, I just didn't know. I, yeah, I think um, in one of the, I remember in, I want to say it was in one of the uh, Star Wars video games, they referenced mm -hmm. that Beskar steel. Okay, I yeah. could be wrong. I, I, I thought that I, it sounded familiar, but I, did, I, I, the thing about Mandalorians is in canon up to this point. I mean, in the movies at least, it's really only Boba Fett who had a had a surprisingly little screen time. Um, mm -hmm. But the whole like building out what a Mandal you know, Mandalore is a planet, you know, it's a planet of people. There's this whole Mandalorian way. Obviously, this this TV show is going to be exploring that in great detail. Yeah. Uh, this scene that we're showing right now is him. You know, he's getting that that metal, the Biscar metal uh, melted down and well, you know, just molded into this shoulder pad um, by this fellow Mandalorian. Um and she makes a reference to him being a foundling, you know, that this is going to help many foundlings. And he says that he was a foundling himself. And we get these flashbacks, which is these little pieces of, you know, who he was, the trauma that he had as a child, you know, just, Lord, just little yeah. bits of pieces um, into, you know, the psyche of this Mandalorian character, uh, of which we still don't know the name. And right. we still and the helmet has still not come off. If you were to if you were a betting man, do you think in these eight episodes we will see? Pedro Pascal's beautiful face. We absolutely will. <laughs> yeah, you I don't put a guaranteed. helmet on Pedro. You yeah. don't do it. No, <laughs> the guy's no too way. handsome. There's just no, no way. You, you got to. You got to take his helmet off. Um, oh, and uh, I was going to say, I, I just love the fact that um, 
we do find out that this it's basically the Mandalorians are Spartans, right? So they're like based off the Spartan lifestyle. That's what we think at least. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that we're going to go into that lore and, and figure it out. Like for the first time in the movies, um, absolutely. What, what, what like what drives these people to be bounty hunters? Because apparently they're all bounty hunters. Well, how so. many references were made to Mandalorians and the reputation that precedes them throughout this episode? Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it was like. From the get go, people were like, oh, you know, I think there were at least two or three references to Mandalorians making quick work of things. Well, you're Mandalorian, so this should be mm-hmm. fast or you should be able to figure it out. They're given the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, yeah. In every case, it's, you know, especially they have a reputation, to, to, which brings us to our next character. You know, we um, once the Mandalorian character played by Petra Pascal accepts the bounty. He heads to a new planet where he uh, encounters uh, Hollywood legend Nick Nolte. Um Academy like we've Award never seen nominator. him before. Like you've never seen him before. He is an Ugnot. This is what that species is called, an Ugnot. Uh, and th- this particular Ugnot has spoken. Um, <laughs> he, he, I love how just randomly he has chosen to say he has spoken um, in this like declarative way of, I, you know, I, I couldn't quite fully understand exactly when it was the proper time to say I have spoken is if, if it's when he's just done talking. Or he doesn't want anyone to, like, refute what he's saying or argue with him. But um, he basically challenges the Mandalorian, who doesn't want to take the time to learn how to ride these little dino beasts. Uh, and he says that his line was, you're a Mandalorian. And he had mentions how, you know, later, later on, uh, a short while later, that he had never met a Mandalorian. He'd only read the stories. But he tells him, you're a Mandalorian. Your ancestors rode or tamed the Mythosaur, which I've never heard of a Mythosaur before. <laughs> But I have a pretty good idea what it is. It's a combination of a couple. (laughs) But this idea that like you can't you can't train like, you know, essentially break this not horse, but whatever this beast is. I don't remember the exact term. So forgive me. But he challenges his Mandalorian credibility. uh, And, you know, I don't think Pedro is having any of it. And so, of course, he goes back and he learns how to ride the thing. And he rides into this like compound that's heavily guarded. We see him starting to look in and uh and we, you know, there's no, there's never really any doubt that, that he's going to win. But there's another bounty hunter that seems to be on the job as well. And this is where we get our friend Taika Waititi. <laughs> Did you know Taika was doing the voice? So I had heard he was doing it. I didn't know anything about the character or when okay. he was going to show up or anything like that. So. so are you familiar with this bounty droid? No. Mm-mm. So there's a there's been a character that's existed in Star Wars. It, there's just this quick brief scene of him in the empire strikes back his name's ig88 and it looks essentially the same i'm sure there's some differences but it's the same type of droid uh i think those who know who ig88 is will probably think this is him at first until it's made clear that he's ig11 also well i don't think we heard ig88 speak but ig11 clearly has a new zealand accent for a droid (laughs) so you have to take that into account but we never saw the ig battle droid um like actually attack we knew it was a bounty hunter or it said bounty droid not battle droid we knew that in empire strikes back that there's this droid that's a bounty hunter but we never actually saw him in action he was just like standing amongst several other uh bounty hunters as vader is talking to them this is the first time we've actually seen what that looks like and this was like one of the more thrilling sequences for me and so and we're playing it on the screen now but the thing is just cruising he's you know Guns in both his little me- hands. I love the mechanics of the robot that they. Came I love up with. it too. It's brilliant. I, it's yeah. really brilliant. It's really great. And that you know, kudos to Favreau and Floney, who you know, 
think through these things. They take a character that was shown very briefly in one of the iconic films, and they actually have some fun with it. And that's uh, – I really, really love that. Now, I couldn't tell whether or not that droid was supposed to be comic relief because it kept – I will say they kept doing this, like, self-destruct mode thing that I was just like – I didn't know if it was supposed to be funny. I think it was meant to be played for laughs. Did yeah, I misread that? I think it definitely was. I don't yeah, know, to though. To me, it I, read as funny. Yeah. Uh, was it funny? Because, yeah, <laughs> I, and I take that. It was funny to me because I, I going off uh, the Mandalorian's reaction, I think that was the funny part. So Yes. Well, um, this is what's interesting here is I, we're closing in on the episode now, uh, or on this episode of the Mandalorian. You know, I feel like we described it pretty. I mean, there's little bits and pieces. Maybe we didn't go into detail. But um, here at the very end is like one of the big surprises of the, of the episode. Um, and so if you really haven't seen it, you don't want to be spoiled. Maybe leave now. I don't think it's that big of a spoiler because we don't really know what they're going to do with it. But And it's episode one. So and it's, <laughs> it's op- like... episode one. We really have no idea what's going to go. So we see we know that the bounty, the person that the, you know, both these bounty hunters are going for. All we really know is that they're 50 years old. And that they're at this and location. It's, and it's a very secretive bounty. Like, they, they have to go very back channel secretive. for it. Yeah. Uh, and now we kind of understand why they had to be so secretive. Uh, and so they see this little cradle-looking thing. They hit the button. Now, before it yeah. popped open, what did you think was in there? Um, a human baby. <laughs> I, th- I thought the same thing. I thought oh, literally yeah, sure. the exact same thing. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought, like, oh, it's a human baby. I didn't really even consider the 50-year-old part. But then seeing uh, what's, really, what's really significant here is a Yoda-like creature. Now, it's significant, significant because in all of Star Wars canon, there's no one else of Yoda's species. In fact, we don't even know what the species is called. But there's only been Yoda. It's been, it's been shrouded in mystery about what planet they're from or anything about their, their history. And so well, we, we know their diet entails candy bars. Yeah, and we know that they That's age fabulously. <laughs> that that fifty year old looks great. Oh yeah. If I'm being honest, really good. Um, super young. Um, little yeah. But anyway, uh, so we see this uh, this reveal of this green Yoda like figure. I've had people texting me all day. Is that Yoda's son or daughter or whatever? You know. And I just I respond yes. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> of course not. Pro- I'm probably not. I don't think. I don't think Yoda was like I don't think he had a lot of um, companionship on Dagobah that would have um, provided a 50 year old. I just don't know that those opportunities presented themselves to to Master Yoda. But uh, what's exciting here is that this, you know, leads me to believe that we're going to explore in the next seven episodes a little bit more about this species and, um, you know, basically filling in what we just haven't known. It's just been one of the big gaps in, in Star Wars canon. Uh, which is exciting. Now, the IG droid wanted to terminate, um, you know, the child and Yoda child, Yoda baby, baby Yoda, whatever we're calling it. <laughs> Wish we had a name. Um, but of course, the the Mandalorian says no. He shoots the IG. Now, is this is this out of the goodness of his heart, or is it out of the instruction that they said like they preferred him alive? Like that scientist guy with Werner Herzog was like, I want him alive. Yeah, that's part of the deal. Like, what did you read this scene as? So my thinking is um, he wants to renegotiate the terms. Um, since mm. he found this thing that was supposedly very, very difficult to find. 
and he wants proof that it, it's alive. And I think that he's the best way that he can renegotiate those terms is if he keeps it alive. Yeah. Um, and he's not going to turn it over until he gets the best possible deal. So, yeah. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, there's so many. We, there are a lot of actors that we know that are in this show that haven't, you know, we mentioned Bill Burr, but yeah. more, even ma- more main players like uh, Giancarlo Esposito, famous from Breaking mm-hmm. Bad, is in this. Uh, is Gina Carano, famous yep. from MMA. She's a yep. main character in this, has not been introduced. Like, there's still, like, there's so much meat left on this bone in terms of the story. It's really, really exciting. Um, and I'm excited where that goes. Um, I do want to touch on a handful of things that didn't maybe totally work for me even though this was something that overall I really, 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 really enjoyed. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. We're get, I should, the comments here. We, we do have a, it's a, it's a yodeling. Fast. It's a yodeling. <laughs> so we have foundlings, we have younglings and we have yodeling. Yodeling is perfect. Yodeling is perfect. <laughs> hey, perfect. I got a question. How come yeah. you're not as funny as your brother? Oh, geez. <laughs> shots fired. Yeah, Brandon's the comedian in the family. Uh, <laughs> he's way perfect. better at Fortnite, which is amazing. He's way better at what? At Fortnite. Oh my gosh, it's not even close. It was. Emb- I'm embarrassed that you and I play like that. You had to see me play with my little brother and watch him like you and I died well, like us. instantly at the beginning of the match, and he just carried on yeah. our team all the way to number one. Um, <laughs> Just going back a little bit, we uh, Rhett also asked a question about if we're going to do a JoJo Rabbit pod. I'm assu- he asked that question when we were talking about Taika. Um, we will be doing JoJo a Rabbit pod. We've both seen it. We both have takes, and they might not be the same, or they might be the same. I don't know. We haven't <laughs> talked about it. Uh, we will mine are pretty doing- hot. Yeah, no, mine are scorching. Um, uh, yeah, we should. We'll be especially as that's continued to. Uh, you know, the, the release has gone wider and wider. I think it's in 800 theaters now. Um, so more and more people have access to see it. Um, but we're going to be talking about that as well as Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, uh, which has also been slowly getting more and more distribution. And The Lighthouse with our friend Battinson and Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin himself. So I'm, we're going to be really excited to talk about all of those. Uh, I think for The Lighthouse one, we're going to be ranking our favorite A24 films in addition. This will all be coming in the future. So just I just want to get that out of the way now. We will be talking Jojo Rabbit. We just tonight. Tonight was not a night for the Nazis. Just put it that way. It was the it was the Mandalorian. <laughs> we'll save well, Jojo space Nazis. Time. Space Nazis. Um, we got so, one. Werner Herzog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Werner Herzog's parents probably weren't good people. Uh, just leave oh that. no, leave they're in uh, space Argentina right now. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Oh my God! Imagine growing up in Germany and being fed the lies that your grandparents were good people. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, um, okay. So I had mentioned my concern um, about people not knowing that this isn't Boba Fett, like the uninitiated. And again, maybe I'm missing that there were enough references, but the fact that we don't, we're not given a name, and the timeline is not super clear. I just think that there's a lot of people going in. I mean, one of my friends last night's like, "Yeah, it's the Boba Fett show," and I was like, "Yeah." Sure. I mean, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, I thought it was the Django Fett show. Django. Oh, Django. Yeah. See, Boba Fett's in the Sarlacc pit still at this point. He is being oh, digested yeah. for another several hundred years, I think. This is a uh, different Django Unchained. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Um, can we talk about TV? TV and movies? For a long oh, yeah. time, and 
still to some extent, you know, movies are held in a, to a different standard than television because they have larger budgets, even if shorter, you know, run times to tell their stories. But generally, they're considered the more polished thing, the thing you go to the movies to go see. It's an event. You know, there's more CGI, et cetera, et cetera. We've, we've seen that change in recent years of the golden age of television with shows like Game of Thrones and other ones where there's a lot more budget put in to where that gap isn't quite as, as large as it used to be. But I still think there's, that there is a gap. Now, we know that The Mandalorian, they're, they're pulling in multi... I mean, they were uh, spending multi-millions of dollars on every episode. Um, I will say that for TV, the show looks excellent. The space, the ships, the creatures. Like, for television, it is, it's, it's on par, I think, with the Game of Thrones stuff. Is it on par with Star Wars films? No. It's just not quite there. But that's okay. Uh, I, I mean, I've heard some people talk about it. It's like, it looks, look, you know, they put a ton of resources. It looks just like the Star Wars movies. It's like, not exactly, but we don't need it to. Yeah. Like, it's right. got the grit of the Star Wars movies. It's got a lot of the feel, a lot of the tone. But like, you know, those spaceships and things like that, they're always just going to be slightly not as polished. And that's okay. I still think it looked great. But right. let's not pretend that this is the caliber of like the last 45 minutes of Rogue One, which was like a year of CGI work, right? Like it's just not going to – of course it's not going to look as good from money and resource and time standpoint. Um, what did you think? How did it look for you? Like did it look high quality enough to be – to feel like oh, a good Star Wars? Absolutely, and I think it does, and it makes use of uh, – they make really good use of the, their budget. Um, and it, it, it does look like a TV show. I mean that's – that's just inevitable because uh, you just can't make it look like a, a movie um, for their budget, even though they spent over a hundred million dollars from what I hear. Yeah. Um, but I think more than the visual element of it, it has the, the soul. I think this is, this is why I liked it so much. It felt like I was watching a, a original trilogy, Star Wars movie. Yes. I would have loved to see the film stock look to it. That would have been great if they could have, you know, given me that sort of uh, the tangible feel of watching something on film, but this is not on film. This is clearly digital, um, and it doesn't really need um, th- like the weight, the gravitas of a film because it's not. It's a TV. It's a TV story. It's a serial story, and I think if you go into it understanding that, um, you can forgive some of the shortcomings. But I think there's also upside to that because when you're working on a shoestring budget, like even though a hundred million dollars is a ton of money for what they're trying to do. It, it is considered shoestring and I'm sure they're looking to cut angles wherever they can. Yeah. And I think you do see it um, in some of the alien work because they're having to do practical stuff and it looks like people are wearing a, a rubber masks. <laughs> and, but to me, that is a throwback to the essence of the original star star Wars trilogy, which yeah. is, makes it great. So yeah. I don't need the CGI aliens. Give me a rubber mask alien. Yes. I will say and we got a lot one- of them. The one that like didn't totally work for me, didn't ruin anything, but it is the one at the beginning with Horatio Sands as the blue sure. fish guy. And maybe it was more of just like his character just wasn't, I don't know, like the, excuse me, tonally with like the Western, like gritty vibe. And he was kind of a little bit more lighthearted and whimsical and kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, again, it was very, very brief. Um, but like, I don't know. It was weird. It wasn't totally working, but all the other aliens were, were great. Um, were there any Easter eggs you noticed? I know I'd mentioned a couple. I, yeah, I mean the only thing that I recognized was was like the other um, races of aliens, yeah. like the little guy, Salacious, Salacious Crumb. Crumb is his name. I was think. that my question is is you see one on a spit? 
and then yeah. it goes down to one in a cage. That's like, oh, yeah. and it, it's not laughing. The last time we saw this creature, salacious, at least the, the specific one, Salacious Crumb, he's on Jabba, Jabba's palace on his shoulder laughing maniacally. This one was not laughing. This one was a moan, no. pout, scared type of thing. I, I wonder, is that Salacious Crumb? Or is that just a <laughs> one of another? It's probably of another species, but like, if they meant for that to be a salacious crumb coming to his doom, that would, that's pretty funny. That's it is pretty funny, but I think it's just another one of the race. And I yeah, think it's probably. actually, they did that. Um, so you have like a reference point to these characters that you think you recognize, but it's again, like the Mandalorian, you think it might be Boba Fett, but it's not, it's just a different Mandalorian. Right. And I think that's kind of what they're going for with this, uh, bringing back the, the other races of aliens. So I, I want to bring up another point, another question. Uh, I, this was a Twitter DM from a friend named Jeff. And he said, in a way that was almost kind of like, it was definitely hopeful and wishful. Like, do you think at some point in the eight episodes of The Mandalorian that they'll make some sort of connection to the Star Wars that we know and love? What he meant by that was like the characters, the storylines, mm-hmm. the plot lines. And he was saying it in very much like, I, you know, like he didn't want this to be some isolated story which I found really fascinating because I am 100% on the opposite end of this. I want, I do not want this to connect. I'm fine with Easter eggs. I'm fine with little references here and there, but if they connect this into the broader storyline of the Skywalker saga, you know, that we're back at square one in terms of like this, what's so great about the Mandalorian and the one episode we've seen so far is the fact that like, there's so much, to explore in this world of Star Wars from a story standpoint. And this is a great example. John Favreau had a great idea. So far, they've gotten off to a great start. This is amazing. We don't need to, like, make some sort of wink-wink reference at, like, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker training Jedis here or do some sort of, like, you know, if Mark Hamill, so help me, shows up somewhere in this, I might be out. And I love Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker is <laughs> my favorite character of this whole series, you know. But it's just we don't need that. We It's a very big galaxy. Give us right. stories. And I think that right. they're, I mean, that's really the intent here. And that's the plan. The Mandalorian's the first of what should be many. Now we are getting like an Obi-Wan series. Obviously that's a main character, you know, but like we, sh- you know, I joke about this, not so joke, jokingly say this all the time about how I want a Disney plus eight episodes of like the, the bartender at the cantina and Moss Eisley and his just a movie about his relationship with his estranged daughter that he's trying to win over and <laughs> allow himself back into her life. And maybe he just takes her to school. Like- you know, a, uh, and just, right. just that a, a Star Wars Breaking Bad. Give me a Star Wars Breaking Bad. <laughs> just people just completely disassociated with the rest of the. the I'll take a Mad Men. I'll take the the, the advertising uh, agency within the Imperial within the Galactic Empire. The people that make the propaganda. I want the Don Draper storyline. They're pitching to Palpatine. You know, being like Palpatine. Let's do. You know, they're they they got their Rosie the Riveter type of stuff. You know, and he's like, no, no, and then you know, it gets a good idea. He's like, do it. You know. And it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I want this. I want the story of the general contractor that was uh, hired to rebuild the uh, the second Death Star. Give me that story. Give me that story. Yeah. The second Death Star guy where they were like, there was another vulnerability. And he was just like, oh, my gosh, that was the one (laughs) rule was don't create a single vulnerability. Um, I took the blueprint and hit control C, then control V. I just, yeah, I copied and pasted. (laughs) Look, we were able to do it. So the time the deadline was prohibitive. I had to move fast. I just copied and pasted. Um, you know. Now uh, you, do you, I mean, you didn't mention the fact that we already have the connection of potentially Yoda in the first episode. Well, so. to his species. I mean, Yoda at this point is dead. 
Okay, Return of the Jedi, he passes away. Right, okay? exactly. Or he disappears. So that's not dis- we have seen him reappear in the Last Jedi with sure. uh, the Force Ghost version. But like, I don't want Force Ghosts in the Mandalorian. I would be very, um, yeah, I would have a problem with that because you'd need Jedi. And it's fine if Jedi right. they run into Jedi, but maybe maybe not any Jedi I know. That would be great. Sure, exactly. And I think that I I really hope that they avoid that because, like you said, we're getting the Obi Wan series, which is literally going to connect all this other stuff. It's going to fill in the gaps. Yeah. So, uh, and then plus we got the Rogue One where they fill in the gap at the end, sure. ties it together. So gap if filling you could just is, disengage. You know, I yeah, I'm I'm done with gap filling. Uh, if you're feeling, I, I'm fine with filling the gaps in between some of the movies with different stories that don't have to connect to them, right? Like, fill, that's, that's, I guess it's not really gap filling, but it's storytelling, in, you know, in those gaps. Like, give me, give me all that. Um, right. And I think uh, my hope is that because of the failure of Solo, that they're going to look mm, to avoid that. Oh, so. it Was Solo a failure? I saw a trending I, the, just a few months ago, Make Solo 2 Happen was a trending topic on Twitter. People want the sequel. They're ready for Donald Glover to get his Lando movie. Will he get a Lando Disney Plus TV show? Ooh, I would watch that. Man, I oh boy, you wouldn't. I'd rather him do Atlanta. To be clear, I want Atlanta. But give me if it's he's, space Atlanta, okay, we'll give, bring Paperboy into Lando. Brian Tyree Henry, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And I think Disney owns FX, Fox, which is I think is part of you know FX. So. They could make What's that the happen. Name of that card game, that card game they play, Sabak or something like that. Sabak, yeah. Sabak, there you go. Sabak yeah. boy, give me that. Sabak boy, Sabak <laughs> boy, Sabak. Yeah, that, that's it, man. That's a jam, man. It's already stuck in my head. That's great. That's hilarious. Um, shout out to my little brother who just commented. The blue fish made a reference to hoping to be free for Life Day, which apparently that was being celebrated in the Christmas special. Well, thanks for thanks for tuning in, Brandon. We covered that. I don't know how many times already. Glad to. That my little brother is just jumping in at the end, he's, dropping oh, yeah. his bits of he's, wisdom like he's been listening the whole time. We went over. He that stole brain. your your uh, your little tidbit there and tried to take he all the. T- uh, that's a that's the most little brother thing if I've ever seen one. Oh yeah, uh, move. I mean, yeah, he comes in. I'll have I'll have you know. It's like okay, buddy, easy. <laughs> actually, actually, he tried to he tried a little brother explain you something. <laughs> little brother explaining. <laughs> I love it. Never gonna happen. There's no better way to end this episode than Big Brother being back on top. That was good. That was thank you, Brandon. <laughs> because your yodeling thing, I didn't think I was going to be able to to survive that. That's great. He came in strong. He did come. In oh, strong. yodeling is so good. I'm still upset I didn't come up with it. I'm, I truly am. <laughs> he should it's honestly. Terrific. He should have just left the chat after that. Like that. He should. He you're should not have. gonna. He should have. You're not gonna yeah. be better than yodeling. No, just drop in the yodeling reference and just drop it. Yeah. Um. Well, great. Um. Anything else you want to hit on? Things that you liked, didn't like, overall expectations, anything. Uh, so the writing I thought was strong. We know John mm. Favreau is John Favreau writing all the episodes. He wrote this one. Yes, uh, I know he's like leading the writers' room, right? He's like the showrunner. I don't know exactly how they're giving credit. You know, obviously they have a team of writers, um, right? And so, and my I, question is: um, Is Pod Save America on a hiatus while he's writing the show? Oh. <laughs> Aaron, a lot of people make this mistake. It's a common mistake. This is John Favreau, the director of Iron Man, not John Favreau, the famous speechwriter for President Obama. I knew oh. someone was going to make this mistake. Unfortunately, it was you. Yes. Oh, uh, thankfully, Pod Save America can still fill our our podcast coffers with their propaganda while we can enjoy <laughs> uh, 
Mandalorian. <laughs> They're doing the Lord's work over there. So I appreciate oh dear. them. Oh, dear. Love it or leave it. Um, well, I'm excited. <laughs> we're we're going to be, like I said, we're going to be doing um, episodes here in the near future on JoJo, Lighthouse, Parasite, as well as uh, we're getting this plethora, this onslaught of Irishmen's coming out soon. I oh, yeah. And in we're Francisco doing the Star week. Wars Christmas press. Star Wars, the Star Christmas, Wars Christmas, Christmas special. We sure are. Yeah. Um, yeah. We will be we'll be chiming in on the Mandalorian episodes. I don't I don't know that we're going to be doing a podcast for every episode, maybe a couple. Um, again, we'll see how it unfolds. Uh, but uh, but stay tuned. I'm excited. I really am. I think Star Wars is meant to be in the long that you know this long form version of storytelling, and I I'm really encouraged with the start here, and I hope that they continue it, and I hope that they tell you know continue to to tell lots more stories, and that Bob Iger spends all that mountain of cash that they have down there in Anaheim um, just yeah it's great and you know we we make fun of or we laugh at uh, your buddy there that said this is the best Star Wars hour ever yeah but I will say that watching this has mm. totally re-engaged me in this in the uh, in the lore in the Star Wars universe now I'm totally I'm back in really and all it took was one episode you really liked it <laughs> yeah. that much yeah, I really enjoyed it that much, and I think it has a ton of potential, and I'm excited to see where it goes. So, you know, I, was, I'm, I thought it was awesome. Great I'm, still ex- I'm still excited for The Rise of Skywalker, but I have this guarded skepticism the more and more I'm learning about the film and seeing promo- – I should just stay away from all promotional materials. But I, I'm nervous about certain things that are deal-breakers for me, things like actually making Rey someone important through lineage, even if it's not her parents or something like that. I'm just afraid J.J. can't help himself. And unfortunately, like those types of things will like ruin the movie for me because I think what Ryan Johnson did was brilliant with the reason why I'm giving this <laughs> long winded preamble to this is that I'm grateful to have the Mandalorian because yes, I at the end of the day, you know, this is a Star Wars experience that I've enjoyed very much so far and I'm confident I will continue to enjoy. So even if the rise of Skywalker underwhelms or maybe doesn't meet my ex- very high expectations, I've got this that I know is delivering and that's great. This is the Star Wars content I was hoping Disney would do when they purchased Lucasfilm, and it's great to see them deliver. So, super thrilled. Good stuff. All right, we'll be back with JoJo, um, as well as other movies. Aaron, Knives thanks out. for coming and joining me all the way from Mandalore. Happy birthday. And uh, share share your Apple Watch uh, stats with me. Uh, all right, happy life day now. to you. And I'll do the same. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good night. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. 